trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts And joining me as always is another faithful host And that would be Rich Rich, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty dandy that is good. That is good. It's a dandy evening because it's time for some more flavor, which means we have assembled our crack flavor team or our cracked flavor team. Uh, mm, not really sure. <laughs> we found some guys. Our flavor team on crack? Uh, the meth flavor team. It's, it's, po- I'm not saying what it's flavored, but we found some guys. Okay. And it is, uh, our good friend Mike from the Manipool. Hello, everybody. And CJ from over at JudgeCast. Oh, hey. So, we're all back. We're here to talk about some exciting, let's say, developments in flavor coming your way. Right now, we <laughs> are in the midst of MTG Origins, so Magic Origins. In, in fact, MTG Origins Pro Tour is this weekend, and everything we're about to talk about will have absolutely zero relevance at that event. It's sweet. At least Wouldn't it be cool if they, like, they had the cosplayers like play out important scenes to advance the plot of magic at the Pro Tour? I... It would be hilarious, but I don't think they'd ever pay someone to do that. Because you're going to get the... The cosplayers people, are already there. But you said, but get them to do it, they're going to have to pay them to do it. No one's just like, oh, I'll do this for free. You might be surprised. Cosplayers do a lot of things for free. Yeah. I think they, I think they subsist so, that on sounds, being this pictures. Sounds, this sounds like the seedy underbelly of the cosplay place. I don't want to know what they do for free. Well, so you know how, uh, in the, you know the picture of Dorian Gray? You know that story? Yes. How, how yes. Dorian Gray was kept alive because he has this terrible portrait that is essentially aging when he's not? Correct. Okay, well, uh, I think cosplayers might be the opposite of that. That they stay alive when more pictures are taken. They don't have just the one. Right. It's, yeah, that they somehow subsist off of. Having pictures taken. I, I don't actually know, though, to be honest. Well, if, you know, people used to think that taking your picture takes your soul, they live longer because they keep having their soul taken from them, so their body doesn't eat. Yeah, but long. digital pictures actually give a little bit of soul. Oh. oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's new okay. technology. All right. Uh, so, well, I'm uh, glad we got to the bottom of that. All right. Well, that's good. good. And that's our show, everybody. <laughs> I just want to point out a problem. I have a problem right now. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm seeing a, a line, a uh, little ad for Magic Orange. It says, learn histories of the f- five of Magic's most iconic planeswalkers. Oh, oh, what are we going to object to in this sentence? Um, the term five. <laughs> Not the term iconic? Not the term, I was going to say, I thought you were going for iconic. I'll, I'll give them something for iconic. I'll give them some of them are iconic, but not, oh, all, not all five. I won't give you all five. Okay. Don't, 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 I'll give you three. Three? Maybe four. Maybe four. I can't, I can't imagine who Rich would want to leave out. But okay, so look, we're, what we're going to talk about tonight, in case you hadn't guessed. And she's the back image. That's, that's the other problem of this ad. She's the back image. <laughs> so what we're going to discuss tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to talk about the backstories for the five, quote unquote, icon- the quote five, unquote, uh, <laughs> iconic. More, more quotes. You can't see all the, qu- there's quotes everywhere, quite frankly. And some of it's italic. Uh, I'm putting it's... quotes inside the word, in the middle of the words. That's how many quotes we got. 
<laughs> we're going to look at the backstories of the five planeswalkers from MTG Origins. We're going to look at the, the stories that were presented on the mothership, and uh, we're going to compare and contrast and see what we think about them, and that's that's our plan for this evening. But before we do, I just want to ask in general what your guys' opinion was of how they rolled these out, that they... They told us up front, hey, we're going to do the backstories and you're going to get them in like five separate installments. We're going to take five weeks to do it. Here they are. Get a story a week. How do you guys feel about it? I thought that was a nice way of doing it. I agree. I thought that part turned out really well. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know. It, it kept me coming back because I I always was every every week when the new one would come out, I was so excited that I would that I would go and I would read it and. I enjoyed them, spoiler, but I, I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. Uh, some other members of our panel might have different views. We'll yeah, find out. I mean, someone might. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what we thought we'd do is we're just gonna go in Wooberg order. So we're not, uh, we're not saying that any of these are our favorite in this order. We're not counting them down or up or sideways or any of that kind of stuff. But we're just gonna go in Wooberg order talking about the most iconic planeswalkers of all time. So in white, of course, we have a Johnny. Nope. Uh. Scratch that. No, it's <laughs> Elspeth. No, wait, wait. It's not Elspeth either. It's Gideon. Man, Elspeth would have been so much cooler. I, eh, I'm okay with Gideon. I like Gideon. And I don't know. I don't. I can't say Elspeth's more iconic than Gideon. Well, I mean, she's certainly been more active recently, right? Recently. Well, just recently. But yeah, if you also, okay, well, hold on. Gideon, but Gideon was the face of M12. Like, the front face of magic for almost a year. Like, that was the and thing when you saw. Elspeth has never been that. People, like, people recognize Triple H when they see him. Okay, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Elspeth has totally been that. Elspeth was the face of, of, of Theros. Theros, the entire block. The Everywhere place, spoiler, Gideon is from, Elspeth yeah, was, which, was the face of. That's right. That's that's how important Gideon was. Not only that, but Elspeth has been kicking around the multiverse and doing stuff since uh, back in Alara, right? Eh, I, don't, yeah. I, I, I would give that Gideon's a little bit more iconic than Elspeth. Personally, that's what I would think, but I've also played a lot more Gideon than i played Elspeth, so he is a stronger tie to him, so... And they took all of the wonderful capital of Elspeth being an interesting, strong, vibrant character and just killed her. Just bam. Just dead. There yeah, you go. It's over. Well, you're not dead, dead on Theros. Yeah, but still, it's just, it's just lame is what I'm saying. They, yeah, yeah. They had that whole build up and the interest and then it was like, oh, hey, we're on page, uh, we got two pages to go. Oh, uh, killer. How about that? Yeah, but it's just gonna make it more interesting when she comes back. I don't know if more, I, I think more, more contrived. That's, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Hey, just, throw the, just throw that little bit of black in there. Yeah. Well, look, we know what you want to do with it, but anyway, let, let's let's hey, talk about Gideon. Yeah. Um, Gideon is just a misunderstanding of his real name. Which I th- it looks like Kytheon, but I think clues you said you think it's Kytheon because that's the only way it would be mistaken for. Gideon. Yeah, that is absolutely the only way that it's going to get mistaken as as Gideon. But you know, I'm probably not the best judge of this because my my actual name is Aaron. Which I don't really like the name Aaron, partially because anytime you meet someone or you're talking to someone on a phone and you have to tell them your name and you say, oh, my name is Aaron, they go, Eric? No, I don't know why you think it's Eric, but it's not. I get a TJ every time. Yep. I don't know why. Not like my name doesn't rhyme with anything. 
<laughs> uh, we can't say that on the show. So, well, welcome to my childhood, Gideon. Tell us one of one of our intrepid crew. I believe it's Rich is going to tell us all about Gideon's backstory. So, do, how qu- how quick and concise do you want me to make this? Uh, well, you can, I can make this real. It's a long story, and I I actually really enjoyed this. Hey, story. here's but here's actually. Let's quick. try something fun. Let's go for the like one sentence version, and then we'll expand. One sentence? Yeah, just one sentence. What's his backstory? He was a thief on Theros. That is the one sentence backstory, Clues. I don't know if you want me to like make this a very elongated sentence that, you know, is a sentence. No, no, no. I, I, I admit that is probably <laughs> yeah. accurate. Okay, let's maybe, let's go into deeper depth. Tell us about Gideon. Gideon was, actually, he, not, he was a thief, but he was more of a gang leader um, of this, um, I'm assuming, slum in Akros. He, Got arrested. He went to jail. Um, he he's he likes to fight and he's good at it because of every Gideon that you've seen in card play, he doesn't take damage well. By I mean he just most of the time when he's a creature he doesn't take damage. So he beat up the prison the king of the prison or whatever you want to call him that's another prisoner, and the warden took an interest in him, and the warden uh, realized he's not a he's not a bad person. He's just you know lived in the slums and he's. That's the way of life he's chosen. And so he started teaching um, Gideon's magic of heromancy or law magic. And Gideon kind of taken a liking and spent four years learning this magic. And then um, harpies and cyclopses started attacking Akros. And the warden gave any prisoner who was willing to fight for Akros their freedom as long as they were willing to fight for Akros. And he started um, helping Gideon, and Gideon was using the heromancy he learned from the warding. And then he wanted to start stopping the Cyclopses because they're what going to tear down the walls, which is what kind of the big thing with the polis is. The walls must stand. And then as he and his friends, um, God, what were they called? The Irregulars? You know, yeah. the best, best gang name ever, by the way. You need some yogurt. <laughs> That's such a terrible joke. <laughs> I got one laugh. I got one laugh. <laughs> no, I was muted at the time. I'm sorry. Oh. It, it was It was a good one. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. And so um, they took down a Cyclops, and he started scouting for more, him and his friend. And he grunts across this bridge, and this glowing man with a light white spear started talking to him, and we can all figure out who that was. Heliod saying, those creatures were actually running from the Titan that Erebros has sent to retrieve the dead, which he initiated that all of the people should be dead, so they should all be in the underworld. So the Titan's pretty much just killing people. And he tasked Gideon with defeating the Titan. Which Gideon then go, proceeds to do with his friends. And he was, he is going to be Heliod's champion. Which everyone's like, oh, that's Elspeth. But you know what? Elspeth's not there. <laughs> it's Gideon. He kills the, the, um, Titan. And he even admitted he didn't need his friends, but he wanted his friends there because it was pretty much saying, who can, he can, no one can stop him with his friends. And because he really values his friends and his workers or whatever you want to call them. And then he sees Erebos, and he goes like, I don't care about Erebos, I'm going to throw my magic Heliod spear. And Heliod, uh, Erebos flicks it back at him, and then Gideon decides, oh, I'm just going to become invulnerable, like this is what I do. And huge explosion, Gideon's like, ha, I'm still standing. And then he realizes a lot of blood that it's not his, and all of his friends died. He got sad, traumatic event, he started act, like going crazy with his magic, and then bam, he's somewhere new. And he comes up, some knight and angel kind of ask who he is, and he says, I'm Kithion Iora, and they kind of hear Gideon Jura, and 
kind of, bam, he's on band. End of story. And that's the way you end up on band. Like the goal to be like, there's the arrows, I'm just going to throw this spear at him. Well, that's why the card that this card is kind of based off is called, uh, was it Arrogant? Tragic Arrogance. Tragic Arrogance. Because it was, he was like, I can, nothing can stop me. I go invul, I become invulnerable. Cause that's his thing. Like he used to fight and always win fights because he'd start glowing and no one could, didn't feel pain. Nothing hurt him. And then he's like, I'm not going to get hurt by this spear, but the spear exploded and killed all his friends. Uh, one thing is, I don't think this is explicit, but I think the weapon he had looked like the God Slayer, but I don't think it was the God Slayer that. Nope. It was, he, it was, um, Gideon's spear that Heliod touched and transformed to look like Heliod's spear. Right. But it, it wasn't, cause I know it looked a bit like Elspeth's weapon, but it wasn't. It did, but it was more of Heliod transforming Gideon's weapon to be more powerful to deal with the Titan. Yeah. I guess that's the, that's the kind of weapon that Heliod knows how to make. It just ends up looking like that all the time. Yeah, I guess so. So, I actually really enjoyed this story. I thought it was really good. Um, this compelling. I thought the way they made Gideon sound, it fits in every one of his cards. Um, the, the explanation of Heromancy was one thing I was always looking forward to because they always explained Gideon is a Heromancer. And I like, what does that mean? And so uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good story. I, I like Gideon. I thought it was very fitting with all his cards. It kind of explains why when he's, you know, a cre- his creature form and he's attacking, why he doesn't take damage. And we kind of that's what he does. That's his magic. So I, I think another couple of things that I liked about this story, because I did enjoy this story. Uh, it was nice, nice action tale. It had a nice uh, Greek, you know, tragic hero piece at the end where your own hubris does you in, uh, which was nice. Uh, it also kind of did a, a decent job, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think of making it uh, a little more apparent why Gideon always seems like a bit of a loner. You know, he's he's always going around helping people because that's what he does and trying to impose law and order. But he doesn't really have a gang anymore because the gang he had before, he got them killed by using his powers. And his and his own hubris of thinking, I'm not afraid of you, Erebos. I will throw this spear at you. I mean, if he didn't have the gall to attack Erebos, nothing might have happened. Aragos yeah. might have been like, foiled again. I'll see you <laughs> next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we ought to sign off the show, actually. <laughs> and uh, instead, uh, instead, he decided to throw a spear at him because he's like, I don't care about gods. I got my peeps with me. But his peeps don't have magic. They don't turn invincible. And I think he kind of expected the spear to stop, but it's magic spear that explodes in a fiery light. And there it was the death of his four friends. Yeah, a magic spear created by the sun god. So you have basically a small nuclear blast. Yes. yes. Essentially. <laughs> and so uh, it is. You're right. And if he definitely fit the Greek tragic hero, which I think is also very fitting of the, you know, the plane he came from. It's just, I mean, he was a thief that was slightly, he was trading to be a soldier until he was kicked out. He became a thief and... There, and then he was trained by the warden because he, the warden saw something in him. And I think that's kind of a cool backstory. I like that. And the explanation of Heromancy kind of explains a lot of what Gideon does. Mostly Gideon Jura because Heromancy is kind of – it's law magic. You create laws and you stop people from breaking them because one of the things – trials was he had to run to pick something up. But every time he moved, white chains would bind him. 
and the, the law was, you know, he can't move. And so that's kind of like, you know, when he taps stuff down or he destroys things that are tapped, like he's imposing his laws of heromancy. And I like seeing that worked into his cards. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, uh, I liked, I liked the story. Um, I think I've already stated my issue is he, he wasn't always from Theros. They just threw that in. Yeah. It really feels like it was a patch job. I don't think that was planned from the start. No, but a lot of them probably weren't planned from the start. Correct. Yeah, I mean, but it's I mean, it's called ret I mean, retconning. Like a lot of th- places do that. TV shows, comic books. It's you have. I know you, it's, the, it's annoying every time. It, it, yeah, it can be. Um, as long, but I, I don't think they went against anything they previously said. They just wasn't no. their original design. Which is why Gideon doesn't bother me as much as some of the other ones we're going to talk about. Okay, so any other themes that we want to identify in this? Uh, you know, gifted from a, his, his talents were recognized at a young age. Uh, he was, he was trained. Uh, he, he, irresponsible use of his powers got people killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, I think that hits the major ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just waiting to see Marvel somewhere around there to strap that on him. Cause then he fits in the Avengers with anything else that's happened to them. I mean, it's, it fits a very, you know, Greek tragic, very superhero-esque origin story. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Alright, so that's Gideon. Let's table him for a moment. We'll probably circle back to him in a little while. And let's, let's move into, uh, everybody's favorite color, blue. Let's Gideon. Yay, blue! And let's take a look at Jace. Mm. Alright. Cause you guys Jace. haven't talked about Jace enough. Oh, uh, god, not no, at yeah. all. Jace fanboy um, show. Yeah, look, okay, a couple of weeks in a row, we had some stuff about Jace. <laughs> so Jace Bellerin, uh, he's a very, very blue mage. He's a telepath, a mentalist, illusionist, all that stuff. Um, right now, he happens to be the living guild pact, so he's got a grown-up office job. But he grew up on the plane of Vryn, on the mage rings. The mage rings are basically this huge network of uh, uh, magic magical mechanical rings that channel uh, mana across the country, planet, somewhere, place. Yeah. Anyway, they do stuff. And uh, he grew up on the rings. His dad was one of the miners who worked on the rings, and his mom is like a medic healer. He always had these latent telepathic abilities. Usually it was just he'd just hear people's idle thoughts nearby. Um, But they started getting him into trouble. Uh, he, he was suspected of cheating on a test that he did unnaturally well at. Some bullies at his school tried to beat him up and he ended up taking over one of their minds for a few minutes and it was just weird. And the incident, you know, word gets around when something super weird like that happens. And it ended up attracting the attention of, um, a sphinx named Alhameret, who works as one of the arbiters that tries to broker, uh, a peace between these two, uh, rival factions. On Vryn. There's the Amprin League on one side, and there's the Trovian Separatists on the other. I think when this story is happening, it's the Amprin League who controls the core states and most of the majoring network. Um, so Alhamarit is also a telepath. You know, that having that ability kind of helps when you're doing uh, peace negotiations. And he decides to take Jace under his wing and, and train him. And Jace turns into uh, an apprentice arbiter doing these negotiations, and later ends up becoming a spy for Alhameret. Because, you know, if you know the plans of both sides, 
then it's a lot easier to uh, catch them in lies and force them to be honest with one another. Um, during when he comes back to make his report after one of these spying missions, he ends up just kind of sneaking a look into Alhamarit's mind while the Sphinx is distracted and sees an image of uh, an event when he was much younger, when he had gotten caught, when Jace had gotten caught up in his own illusions that he was making and got scared and overwhelmed and started to planeswalk away, but Alhamarit stopped him and wiped his memory of the event and never told him about it. This is, this of course is really disturbing and Jace doesn't know what to do with this, but he doesn't want Alhamrat to know that he knows. So he starts like, uh, he, he starts leaving notes for himself and like hiding them in his room and then wiping his own memory. And then later he'll find the notes and read them and get pissed off and then write some <laughs> more notes and wipe his memory again. You know, because he doesn't want, again, he doesn't want Alhamrat to find out that he knows about all this stuff going on. Well, is this the memento or something? Come on. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Basically, yeah. Except he's doing it on purpose. Um, later, he ends up finding out Alhamarit didn't just wipe his memory that one time. He's been doing it a lot. Uh, and that's because for many of these years, he's been using Jace as an informant to go between the two sides and uh, profit off of the war. You know, the easiest way, you know, if... Uh, I think the article states it like this. If your, if your business is negotiating peace, well, you gotta try to make sure there's a war going on first. So, Alhamrat is not a good guy. True that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jace, you know, gets really angry at this. He, uh, he goes back to Alhamrat. He ends up stopping by his, his own little office, finds his notes again, gets pissed off again, so mad, and goes and confronts him and starts an epic psychic battle with the Sphinx, which starts going really badly for him because even though Jace has a lot of natural abilities and has been training with Alhamrat all these years, the Sphinx is still really powerful. But uh, through a, a very effective but very dirty trick, Jace ends up erasing Alhamrat's memories of how to, like, breathe and and other things like that. Uh, and Classic evil telepath, <laughs> right? And, and kills him. But in the in the midst of this battle, Jace suffers so much damage that he loses almost all of his own memories about uh, his own life. And the trauma of that experience is what sets him planeswalking again. So he vanishes, and he ends up in Ravnica. He doesn't know what to do. He just kind of uh, – he, he sneaks around for a bit to try to find a, a safe place to go, and he ends up being taken in by uh, Imara Tandris and starts a new life on Ravnica and really doesn't know very much at all about where he came from, except for his own name and a couple just fleeting memories of his early life. Do you think we'll see plot where, like, he starts to remember more of it? Eventually. Yeah. I don't know if it's something that he'll be able to recover from his own mind or something that he'll have to investigate and find out from outside sources. So they didn't get into the part where he was shacking up with Liliana? No, they alluded to that in in other stories about things that are going on now. So good for him on that. <laughs> Mad props. Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know he's Jace has purposefully been kept mysterious, and and we've been told straight out that he isn't too clear on his own origins. So so they could just you know for writing the story they could just make up whatever they wanted, which is very convenient. Yeah. Which um, is best way to hide your past one. is not know it. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I, I like I, this I one a little more. Yeah. yeah. I like the story a lot too. And really, 
it gives a much more sympathetic and personable view of Jake's than anything else I've I, I had been exposed to. I'm putting five to one. Clues still hates him. No, actually, I'm gonna agree with Mike here. This was the <gasps> most. This was the most. Well, hold on. I'm not saying I like the guy. <laughs> I'm saying that this was the most sympathetic portrayal of Jace I've seen. I wonder yeah. if they did that because everyone hates him because of Mind Sculptor. Well, he is kind of a jerk. He is a jerk. I mean, yeah, and actually, if you look the at the character, to I was gonna say, if you look at the character when he was young, when he was a child, you know, the the, the we 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 kind of glossed over it real quickly there, but the the kind of trouble that he got into uh, back at the Mage Ring that made him actually basically get exiled, uh, as it were. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a jerk, quite frankly. Hey, if you could read everyone's mind, you cheat on tests too. Let's be real. Yeah, well, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying that Jace is an arrogant little snot. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, he can make you forget to breathe. Yeah, and then we come to this battle. Is, is that it's... arrogance? Is that arrogance or just truth? <laughs> it's just terribly dark. I mean, that was a really dark place we went there. In that <laughs> yeah, fight. That was, it's wow. like. Well, I was going to say it's not like he learned anything from it, but actually he forgot about it, so he couldn't have learned anything from it. Yeah. But you know, we we talked about how he wrecked um, uh, Tezzeret as well. I mean, right. he wiped all his memories and cut off his arm. I think. Uh, uh, I think Tezzeret already. He got rid of his own arm at that point. I don't think so. Well, no, Tezzeret had gotten rid of his own arm and replaced it with Ethereum, but yeah, I, I think you may be right. I, I think that I think Jace he... tore that arm off. Yes, that's sorry. Yeah, that's... where he got the claw-like arm versus his other arm. Yeah, right. Or the, the skeletal hand. Yeah, so it's I mean, kind of a jerk Te- move. Uh, Tezzeret put up a fight for him, but yeah, I mean, when someone's going at your mind like that. Now, uh, this story, while I did enjoy it, because uh, again, I, I kind of enjoyed all of these stories, uh, I feel like it was a little heavy-handed with the twist that was coming, that that Jace was being used as a pawn by by the Sphinx who was trying to profit off of all of this. I, I felt like they kind of telegraphed that a little well, hard. Think so? I think so, but I think because hmm. you telegraphed, um, anyone who sees, ah, oh, this guy's a psychic... Let's use him for good. No one's ever said that ever. (laughs) (laughs) He can read minds. Let's do good work. They went, hmm, how can I make the most freaking money? Yes, how can I profit off of this telephone? I mean, honestly, the Arbiter sounds like every other warlord from every other movie in every other third world where, hmm, the best way to stay in business is arm both sides. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're kind of reusing classic archetypes in itself, but I mean, that's fine. I mean, that, that doesn't bother me as long as you write it in an interesting way, and I think they did, because, like, you know, Jace is erasing his own memory so he doesn't get in trouble, but that guy is already erasing his memory too, so this guy's just... I mean, does he even know, is his name Jace? Is that even real anymore? Right, it feels like Jace is like 10 years older than he thinks that he is, just from lost days, from having his mind wiped. Mm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, is the personality he even has even real? I mean, cause honestly, cause I can like see that whole, like that whole story we read about him where all this stuff, you know, slightly from his perspective of what it is, and the fact that that could all not even be real. He might never have killed that Sphinx. <laughs> Someone could have implanted that memory and made that such hor- that horrifying memory is what made him planeswalk. I mean, he could none of that could be real. He, hey, could, be a, he could be an agent of Nicobolus and not Nicobolus, even yeah. Yeah, I guess say here's the other twist: the the Sphinx put that image into his mind to protect himself, so that Jace thinks that he killed the Sphinx. Mm. <laughs> well, that'd be a twist and. I mean, that, that's just, this, with all this mental matter, like this story is like I almost want sequels to see what's going to happen. You know what's happening because this is such good. You know, there's so much good ground to go with, and he's the perfect character you can ever retcon. Oh, 
this wasn't real. This is what happened. Yeah. Even I wouldn't complain because I, uh, yeah. I mean, what can I complain about? They're like, oh, it was all memories. I mean, they basically did that with an entire novel. The yeah, one they did. His that has the sphinxes. They're like, it's, eh, it's like that terrible TV show Dollhouse. I haven't seen it. It's <laughs> terrible, but pretty soon like, there were these, oh, they came, like, careful, dolls. careful. We're going to, we're going to get letters over that one. Somebody, somebody out there listening loves that show and oh, absolutely. direct all of your hate to Rich. That's all I'm saying. I think if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Summer Glau was in that and she's the death of TV. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Tell me oh, I'm wrong. Getting hot in here. <laughs> okay, so other themes that you I can like identify. Summer Glau, but she still kills everything she's ever been in. Themes from Jace that we can Get are, are you telling me Summer Glau is not a theme from that? Show? I am not getting involved Quagmire. In <laughs> okay, so themes from Jace, talented from an early age, uh, separated from his family, uh, used, terribly, terribly used. Oh, the poor bastard. Yeah. Uh, like a sock. Didn't, uh, he didn't kill a bunch of people directly. Or... No, he didn't. Although his power, using his powers, He's, Not his he's, plane fucking powers, but his, his his mental magic being used as a pawn that way he's definitely the, led to the death of many people. He's the ignorant, you know, do-gooder who thinks he's doing good, but in reality he's not. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a hey. another classic archetype right there. Yeah, that is a very classic archetype right there. That in his naivete, in in not knowing exactly, and through, I mean, through ignorance and deception, he thought he was doing the, what was right, and he was not right. Uh, and, and, I don't know how much right he thought he was doing. I'm reading people's minds so they don't and so they don't know so I can tell their enemies well, things. He thought but. he was preventing wars. True. Yeah. I'll give him that. And because he was so used, I think he's pretty well determined that no one's gonna do that to him again. And that he became well, the guilt back, so he's used in Adelaide. I was gonna say, except that he keeps ending yeah, up. Yeah, except he doesn't really stuff. remember all that stuff happening. Yeah, he doesn't wars. remember he was used. Right. So Okay, and of course questioning your own identity, that's a really big one here. Mm-hmm. You know, not not knowing your own past. Uh, sometimes you did it to yourself. Sometimes others did it to you. But either way, the end result is don't know your own past. So, all right. Well, that was an interesting one uh, and a, a fun little romp, uh, <laughs> shall we say? We shall. Uh, so that was Jay. So that gets us through white and blue. And now we are on to black. So it's got to be Soren. So we'll just kick it right back to Rich for Soren. So. Oh. When Soren was a child, his, his, his grandpa was a dick. <laughs> no, we're actually going to turn our attention to Liliana, uh, as she is the. I, I'm going to say she is iconic, as she was one of the original. Uh, She's I, probably the most iconic Black Planeswalker. Uh, and so we're going to turn our attention to Liliana Vess and hear her backstory. All right. So. They say Liliana was a healer on Dominaria, um, in some backwoods area. I can't remember the name of it. For our Blagan Woods. Oh, Louisiana. Yeah, Louisiana. Liliana was a healer in Louisiana and her. I her heard bra. it was Smyrna, Georgia. Hey now. <laughs> We're getting a baseball stadium. Um, but her brother was sick. Uh, and, oh, there's also this war going on in this area. It's kind of unclear. But I believe her father is a general in this war, and her brother was fighting in the war and got hurt. Um, so that's how he got sick. Uh, some magic poison, I assume. 
Staff infection. Staff infection from the magic poison. I was going to say from a magic staff. From magic staff. Oh, <laughs> it was right there and I didn't it. Take was, it was, yeah. You didn't grasp <laughs> the staff. It was uh, All right, go on. Uh, <laughs> so her brother's sick and she's going out in the woods to find something called an Isis root, which is supposed to heal her brother. Uh, I guess she got that information from her trainer, whose name I believe is Lady Anna. Uh, she's not that important to the story. So while she's out there looking for the root, a uh, a dude who was formerly a raven but becomes a dude, we call him the Raven Man, finds her and tells her that all the Isis root has been destroyed. And she's like, how? And then the Raven Man says, from the enemy's skin, which is, which is something. <laughs> um, Are they like skin changers? Because there's a card called skin changer. No, there's skin witches. Which mean? What does that mean? It, anyway, well, they hate flowers, I guess. So they destroyed all the Isis. Who doesn't? Roots. Yeah. Hey, some people have allergies, all right. Some people have allergies. <laughs> and uh, Liliana, on the side, she'd been uh, kind of dabbling in necromancy. She doesn't really call it necromancy at this point. She just says the darker side of the healing arts, but that basically means necromancy. I think she called it a a more direct approach to life and death. Um, Sounds about right. But it seems like a more direct approach to death than life, not anything beyond that. Uh, so at the Raven Man's urging, she uses her black magic to kill the uh, skin witches and does some magic and somehow converts them into an Isis root, which she then uses to make a, a, a potion for her brother. So, like, to me, this is the equivalent of running over a raccoon and then taking it home and eating it. Like, Sounds delicious. Or feeding it to your sick sibling, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we did say they were Louisiana, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> plenty. So she took it, she took it back to her place of residence, some kind of castle and, or cabin in the middle of the swamps. And it kind of killed Josu. I mean, it cured him, but then he became like a zombie demon type thing who complained about being forever tormented and wanted to take her to the depths of hell with him. So. You know, half fixed him, I guess. He, he was quite upset. Um, he did not uh, like this. Is this kind Yeah. He kind of went on a killing rampage. Um, Lilian and him fought in the fight. Lilian ended up, um, raising a bunch of zombies because there were a bunch of dead people around there. Sent all the zombies at Josu and in that moment her spark ignited and she planes walked away. So I don't think we know for a hundred percent sure if she killed Josu, but it doesn't matter because he would be dead by now, probably. Because that was a thousand years ago, probably. I think she must oh, it actually have, wasn't that, 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 one. that would be the traumatic event would be her yes. murdering her own brother. Yeah, I think that was it more than more than him attacking her. I think it was her killing her brother. Yeah. She did actually care for her brother. Because she went to a lot of efforts to keep him alive, and then to have to kill him because he turned in, turned away by her hand. Yeah. And he was the penultimate man that she cared for. So what's interesting about her story is it keeps going. All the other stories I feel like end right now. Uh, uh, no, there's there's at least one more that continues. Oh, that's right. Go ahead. Um, so we kind of jump forward a little bit, and it says that more than a century has passed since she became a planeswalker, and also she's really old which means that this would have to be about 50 or 60 years after the mending. If you assume she was 20 and now she's 80, they only, they only start aging after the mending. So we would say it's about 50, 60 years after the mending. Um, 
she's gotten really old and she doesn't really care for that because she's going to die of natural causes, which is like the saddest way for a planeswalker to die. So that's uh, not how black, that's how, not how black mages die. No, that's not how that goes. And so many black mages are immortal through some other means that she's just like, let me get in on that. Um, so she goes to her good buddy, pre-mending planeswalker, Nicol Bolas, who has similar he's problems. A, he's a friend. He's helpful. Hey, yeah. Nothing bad has ever come from right? talking to Nicol Bolas. Well, here's the deal. Really, nothing has, because it's like none of his plans have come to fruition yet. But we've <laughs> talked about that in a different episode. That's right. Um, so, like, I mean, he made Alara come back together. Is that bad? I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's good, because they weren't really I don't know ready if, for it. Yeah. I mean, it's bad for Bant, but all right. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Nicol Bolas, for probably reasons that are his own, actually told her how she could become young again. So Nicol Bolas being a dragon, he's going to be naturally long lived, so he doesn't really care. Uh, and he tells her about these four demons that she can make a pact with, and all it would cost her is her soul. And then there's some meta, uh, morality talk about maybe she's already lost her soul because of everything she's done up to this point, blah, 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 who cares? The point is, she's like, that's fine. If that's the price, no problem. Um, so those demons were Grizzlebrand, Cothofed, Razaketh, and Belzinlock, uh, three of whom I don't think we'd ever heard of before this point. We've and, heard of Cothofed before. Have we? Uh, and Cothofed got a card in Magic Origins. So the story doesn't really cover what deals she made with the uh, three that weren't Cothofed, but Cothofed but it does say that they made her more powerful than she even was already. And then Cothafed gave her back her youth. Um, one thing Cothafed did first was make them fight so that he could prove to her that, you know, even as a powerful planeswalker, he can beat her. Um, although she could just leave the plane and never come back. But he was just trying to show dominance. And um, as part of that, he also put all those runes on her skin. He made her young again but also scarred her with all these runes that come out whenever she uses magic. So that's when she got the runes. Um, he also then sent her off as one of the uh, deals is to find the chain veil, which hilarity ensued. And uh, that's where that story ends. Well, it's hilarity because she used the chain veil to kill them. Yes. And Cothbed was the first to die. Yeah. yeah, and he's the one who sent her after the chain veil, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she got the chain veil and was like, yep, that's the extra bit of power I need to kill these demons I made a pact with. Um, so we'll see where that's going. I So I think Razaketh and Belzinlock are still alive. Um, yeah, because yes. Grizzlebrand was the second she was going for. She already killed one yeah. on the way Grizzlebrand. So, and that's where that, you know, and then she curses Garrick and all that other stuff that she did. Well, she sounds like an angel. <laughs> she killed an angel shortly after ascending. <laughs> Just straight murdered it. Well, uh, it probably looked prettier than her, and she didn't like that. Uh, probably. So, I have some issues with this story. <laughs> it, it, was, it was really hard not to crack up through the the amazing blend of sarcasm and disappointment <laughs> in her voice. So, the problem with Liliana's story is we actually knew her origin. She was the one we already knew. Uh, we knew it better than any of the other of these Um with the exception of maybe a little bit of Nisa, but, um, and what bothers me about that is it was in an old webcomic, right? And if you go back and read that webcomic, a lot of it doesn't mesh up with what I just said. So a, <laughs> she wasn't a healer in the webcomic. She was, she was the daughter of a general and her brother did get hurt. Um, but she wasn't a healer. She was just 
the daughter of someone who was rich, basically. She slept around a lot. She didn't do much. I don't think she had any skills to speak. Um, which I is some people did suspect her of being a witch, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I don't I, remember. I did I, read it again like a week ago, though. So, <laughs> um, she did meet the Raven Man in the woods, but and she was going out looking for Isis Root. But the Raven Man, there were no skin witches. The Raven Man was like, "Hey." Isis Root is good and all, but how about this glowing gold goo from a stranger? And she's like, I'll take that. Because <laughs> you can always depend on the kindness yeah. of strangers. Hey, she that, did. Sounds, she that sounds super legit. She didn't have, like, any necromantic powers or anything like that. And a lot of this is more consistent with pre-mending planeswalkers. Like, they weren't, you know, some of them weren't, like, great mages until after they ascended. Um, you know, Urza, he was an artificer, but he didn't have much in the way of magic until after. Mm-hmm. The Silex explosion. Uh, and the big one though, the big one that gets me the most is I can almost guarantee she was not from Dominaria and they changed that. Uh, if you'd like to hear my reasons, I have many. So the problem is in the webcomic, they don't say, right? Which I think that's a big red flag on its own. I think if she was from Dominaria, they'd say it. Um, in the webcomic, they just say she's some, from some backwoods, like mm-hmm. I said, and there's a war going on. That I guess has never been mentioned. You know, I mean, it's it's conceivable that there is some part of Dominaria we've never been to that just has a random war fighting uh, 20, 30 years before the mending. But could be the Brothers' War. No, uh, no, no, the timing's way off. Um, I mean, it could be, but yeah, wait a minute, war. twenty or twenty or thirty years before the mending, Dominaria would have been the blasted crap hole that we saw in times exactly (laughs) you just hit the next part because of the the timing of everything they've given here this has to be like 20 30 maybe 50 years before the mending you know maybe even uh, maybe a lot longer 70 or 80 but it would be post phyrexian invasion that's the important part it would definitely be post phyrexian invasion so how how is this from dominaria so what i honestly feel like happened is they're like, well, corsets always touch on Dominaria. We have to put someone from Dominaria who makes the most sense. And then it's like, uh, I guess it's got to be Liliana because it's either Liliana or Gideon, right? Like, you're not going to do Jace. Uh, we already knew where Chandra was from and we already knew where Nissa was from. So um, Jace has could have made more sense this applying those mage, ring, mage rings on somewhere in Dominaria. Well, you, you didn't. I mean, I, mean, I think it's... Like the mage rings are from Vryn, and those were already established in a planes uh plane chase card. Oh, oh that's true, they were. So yeah. yeah, so you couldn't have the mage rings without having Vryn. Um, but that's my main issue. It really bothers me that they just kind of shoehorned her in there, and also that they kind of changed her character. Uh, I think they gave the character more depth, though. I think that's what their goal was. Yeah, she's with each I mean, iteration. Uh, Having a slutty socialite and then, you know, her brother dies and she kind of, I think they gave her more of a human, more humanity, you know, like the, you know, the socialite that sleeps around from the rich daughter, rich dad. That's not going to generate much sympathy. I don't, if she does something right. bad. Yeah. Whereas, this is definitely a more sympathetic Liliana. Yeah. I think that's what they're going for. I think they wanted to humanize everyone a little bit more. I mean, this is their first real, I think like really hard focus on giving these origin stories, like from what, 
what I'm going to call is what their current iteration of what they, lore they want to write. They're not because they're not doing those books that anymore that people didn't mm-hmm. like. They're not doing you know they're doing their little novellas and stuff. But they're this is like how they want to tell story and magic now. And so this is how they're doing it. And this is to them caring less about what they've already done. Right. And focusing on you know what can we do? How can we humanize Liliana? And that you make her you know someone who's a healer. And you know then she you know tries to heal her brother. And then we, this is where we step into Pet Cemetery, but she does it the wrong way, and things go awry, and she kills someone, you know, like Clue said, the probably one person she loves the most. She turned him into a monster, killed the monster, and, you know, after that, like, you know, the joking of did she already lose her soul, she probably, in her mind, did. She probably doesn't feel anymore, probably doesn't care much about anybody anymore. And so, you know, at her death, she's only selfish and only looking for herself now, and she doesn't want to go out. She doesn't want to see, witness the death she's seen, because she saw what her brother's death was like and how he wanted to bring her to hell and what those zombies were like. She didn't want that. Right. So she's, for her, she's escaping her brother's murder, and she escapes it by trying to escape death, and has had any cost to do so. That's how I read her story. Yeah, that that is a good point about Wizards just wanting to make these planeswalkers more accessible in general. Like one of the one of the main reasons uh, a Johnny got taken out of the of the rotation for the core set planeswalkers was because being a non-human, he was just he's just kind of harder to identify with on some level, which is why he got replaced with Gideon, who's you know a dude. So it's easier to tell stories about him and, and identify with that. I get that, but if you if you want to make her more relatable, you don't have to change what happened in the past. I mean, that was yeah. like a, a thousand years ago or something. Oh, no, not that long, but, but uh, no, no, it could be a thousand years ago, or I don't know. I don't know what the they, timeline of anything is. I think they emphasized, they just um, embellished and went more in depth. I mean, the, than the webcomic did. Like those things that you know, none of it was mentioned, but doesn't mean it wasn't there. It just wasn't mentioned outside of the skin changer thing. Or the skin witches, which I still don't understand what that means. I don't. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> I, could, I could believe Phyrexian skin witches. That, that sounds plausible. Well, that does sound plausible, actually. They're not Phyrexian. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I kind of wish they made a skin Shut witches up, card, because <laughs> like then I would know what a skin witch looks like. So I don't. I just think that you know they maybe they took what they had. Like, okay, this is our base. What can we do to make her more? Because those, I've read those webcomics. I haven't read all of them. I've read some of them, and they're just—they're being—they're not the best. They're not really that in depth. Mm-hmm. They're very basic, very quick. Because they're what—they're each like maybe ten pages. Yeah. I mean, it's real quick, real basic. I think they took this. All right, here's our framework. Let's go deeper. And for me, I'm okay with going deeper. That you know, instead of taking a a pair, you know, Clues's one sentence description that I gave about Gideon versus the belt <laughs> afterwards. You know, it—it it was a little bit more. Yeah, though, though I do think that retconning for flippant reasons isn't okay. If your reason is, eh, this was kind of dumb, and I think I can actually do it better, then that I can understand. I mean, I, th- I think they could have just done better by making her more sympathetic today or in the large chunk of her history that we don't know about. Okay. Uh, you know, they could have told a story from there. Like, this story, you know, you could summarize... But How I, she got started, it gets the same end result without changing anything. And then you could add more, like they could, yeah. they could have added more but, interesting details once she got to Innistrad. Or her but relationship I, with Jace is really unclear to me. I think it's really difficult, though, to, to humanize and sympathize someone who's already sold their soul. Because I think you immediately lose your sympathy for someone who's willing to do, go to that bar to be immortal. 
I think it's very hard to sympathize with that person ever. Whereas before they did that, give them, give her a reason why she did it. I think that's easier. She did it because she didn't want to grow old. I I think a lot of people have some fear and security about whether or not they have sold out or are selling out. In in some other sense, it's not necessarily their soul, but. And this show is brought to you by McDonald's. All right then. I'm uh, loving it. So some other themes here for uh, uh, Liliana, of course. Separated from her family. Separated from her family. Very uh, talented at a young age. Talented at a young age. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing a theme here. Uh, also, I, I think the be careful what you wish for. I mean, after all, her, her whole goal was, oh, don't let my brother die. <laughs> sure, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, taking in with a with a very dangerous patron. We have the Raven Man. We have Alhamret. We have Heliod. Yes. Very yeah. Patron that's true. Um, she does run into the Raven Man later. That's that's also in one of those web comics for people who are like really interested. Yeah, and I don't know if you read the story that was published just today. I haven't. Okay, it involves the Raven Man. Oh. Well, okay. that probably is against whatever the webcomic is about, I bet. It probably is. I, I believe there's actually a scene where you can see him tearing up the webcomic into Oh, good, good. So. Uh, well, even in this story, Nicole Bolas says that you bested the Raven Man but didn't kill him. So I'm willing to accept that, that he didn't die in the webcomic even though it kind of said he did. I'm, I'm willing to do, give that one. Sure. Let that one slide. So the fact that he's still alive, I'll let it slide. Okay then. I'm just waiting right. for the Raven Man card. I, like the I, Raven Man, Planeswalker, Bolas. <laughs> Wait, is it? Is that the twist? No. Oh, okay. That's, that's no, something I, just I think, you know, clues you're bringing up, you know, oh, ch- talented at a young age, lost your family, blah, blah, blah. One, um, I think to be a Planeswalker, you kind of initially have to have zero attachments because you're going all across the world without ever really going to a home. Oh, no, that's, ta- that's a very talent- interesting point. The talented child, you keep bringing up all their talented young child. Well, no one wants to follow a dumbass. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. I'm just saying let's recognize some common threads in oh, each of the stories. Some of the, the, some of the tones you're using make it oh, seem Oh, like I, I, I apologize if that's the way, uh, it was coming off. No, no, no. I'm just saying that there, there are common threads to these stories. Yeah, know, that, that lack of connection thing is going to be turned on its head when we get to Nissa. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, although I, I, I was going to say, I think, Rich, you do bring up a, a good point that uh, not being too rooted in one place might make it easier for a planeswalker to do what they do. So, all right. Uh, you know, another another thing we had here was uh, when you uh, reach for incredible power, you might get burned, which leads us to Chandra. So, hey, this oh, is- I get it burned. Yes. See, segue. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, Chandra. So we find, uh, Chandra, of course, as a young child, uh, or relatively young child, uh, on the plain of Kaladesh, where she is working with her parents. Her parents are, uh, kind of talented artificers or, uh, metal crafters. Uh, they're inventors. They, they build and they make stuff. But they're also part of some sort of underground resistance movement that is, uh, trying to supply ether to people who need it. Uh, because apparently the world that they're living in, the, the the reality of her life is that there's this council that runs everything, and they very tightly control what gets done and what doesn't get done, and who uses magic and who doesn't, and it's it's a little it's a little teen dystopia in in kind of the vibe that I was getting from it. But anyway, her parents 
uh, they, they definitely are in the black market for ether. So she's being sent out as a courier on her first mission. I'm sorry, Rich, go ahead. I was going to say, it sounds like a communist nation. Uh, it sounds like an authoritarian regime is what I'm going to describe it as. Uh, I don't know what communism is. Uh, not necess- let's not get into <laughs> that. Let's not go into that quagmire either. Suffice it to say, uh, Chandra is, is transporting bootleg material, uh, across town. And this is her first solo adventure doing this. She has no real talent or uh, patience, really, for, uh, invention or metalworking or artifice or any of that kind of stuff. Cause she mostly just breaks stuff, right? Or reading or math or any of that stuff. Yeah, that, that takes, uh, what do you call it? Time? And we don't, ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, have a fist is really what it boils down to. So, uh, Chandra is headed off. And of course she decides, cause she's off to, uh, find this contact. I believe her name is Mrs. Pashiri. She's gonna come up later in the story. Uh, Chandra decides to take a shortcut. And of course, what you always, 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 what movies have taught me, what you want to do is if you're trying to get somewhere, you should always cut through an area that you're not allowed in. Because <laughs> that always works. Uh, but this time it didn't. Hasn't turned out bad yet. Yeah, I know. Shocker. This time you're lying. I won't believe it. She is intercepted by uh, the council's guards, and uh, they're like, "Hey, what are you doing? Have you got bootleg?" And she's like, "No, I'm trying to get to class." And they're like, "Yeah, right. Let's see what's in the backpack." And at this point, there's this weird continuity error that I'm going to describe that happens. So she's she's grabbed by the guards. She tries to beat him up, but she doesn't quite make it. She's a little kid. She's grabbed by the guards, and they've got her arms pinned behind her. And in, like, one paragraph, she talks about the arms being pinned behind her, and, like, a paragraph away, uh, she talks about how she's getting mad, and her hands light on fire, and she's looking at them. But there's never a moment when they tell you that the guard lets go. Now, it's pretty obvious that she had, that he had to, otherwise she wouldn't be able to be looking at her hands, but still, <laughs> it's, it's weird. I, I don't know, I found that jarring. I, I had I had issues following how exactly that thing was hooked up to her. That um, what was it? Uh, that thing in her backpack. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the vent pack. We'll come to yeah, that the vent. in a minute. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had to, there were some times when like they just completely ignored it was there, and it's like, oh crap. Uh, you know, she, I, I don't think she had it yet at this point. Yeah, at this point she didn't have it. Oh, she didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Later on, later on it moves around and it doesn't make sense. Okay. No. Yeah. So I, you know. I like stories where they don't cram every detail down your throat, but you can swing a little too far the other way and leave a little bit too much to our imagination, and then some things just don't quite make sense, which is, I think, what is what happened here. But anyway, her hands catch fire for the first time ever. She she displays her latent pyromancy, and she manages to make a break for it. She runs off. Uh, but then the guards call in some uh, little flyers to follow her around, and so she tries to ditch him. She can't ditch him. Uh, she catches up with this Mrs. Pashiri, who is apparently also part of the underground, but also kind of works for the council because she has keys to the council's foundry. So she shoves Chandra inside there, uh, which will probably be fine. I mean, it's, it's, what, what, what would she do? Break something? It's going to be fine. Uh, but sure enough, no, uh, one of the little flying things finds her in there and then she gets all, uh, fiery again and, uh, well, kind of blows the place up, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so she flees back to her parents and she's like, hey, uh, gotta tell you some things happened. Uh, you know that drop I was supposed to make? I didn't make that. Oh, and I might have blown up the foundry. Like, just completely. That was me, cause I have fire powers and I'm a freak. Oh god. Uh, and they're like, no, 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 you're special. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then they go on the lamb. 
because uh, obviously the guards have probably figured out who she is and they're going to be coming for her. So she and her parents uh, flee. And then they spend a couple yeah, and weeks. Part of the part of the conflict here is that the use of magic is restricted to a very very specific uh, class right. in in Gearper society. And that class is not them. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they go on the lamb, and they're kind of going from village to village, uh, just kind of hiding out and hiding out. And this goes on for a couple of weeks. I, I it took me a while to figure out exactly how long it was, but it was about two weeks that they were out. Uh, and then the uh, the guards find her. Because they had stayed in a village uh, possibly a little too long, and Chandra might have drawn some attention to herself by uh, fighting some animals in the woods. And it's around this time that her father builds for her this thing. It's called a vent pack, and it's kind of like a backpack thing that attaches to her shoulder, maybe. And that might be the thing that you often see Chandra uh, pictured with in later cards. There's that, like, cable that comes out of her shoulder. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that's supposed to represent. But basically, it allows her to siphon off uh, heat and anger, because that's what fuels her pyromancer abilities. Uh, and it safely vents it, uh, so it, like, creates steam. Uh, which I I feel like that would be a dead giveaway, that, oh, that guy over there with the backpack <laughs> is steaming. That guy's probably a pyromancer. Maybe we should do something about that. But anyway... Uh, the guards show up, and, uh, she's like, hey, you, you want me, uh, let the villagers go, it's, it's fine. And they're like, you know, you're way too dangerous. After all, you've killed all these people. And she's like, but I didn't kill anybody. And they're like, no, 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 you killed them all in this fire that we're setting right now. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. Uh, and at that point, her father has shown up, and he's trying to get her away, and, uh, they get separated. And it turns out, it turns out that, uh, maybe her mom's dead. Maybe she died in the fire. It's a little unclear. We don't ever see her mother's body, but she does watch her father get stabbed to death right in front of her. Uh, so that's probably not traumatic at all. I'm sure that won't cause any problems down the road. But she gets captured, uh, taken back to uh, the city that they fled, and uh, she's going to be executed. And it's that same guard that we've been into this whole time. He's the one who's going to execute her, and he's like, you know... We- your kind doesn't get to use magic. We're in charge here. You're dangerous. You're going to upset everything, so you've got to die. That's the way it is. Uh, and it's at that moment that her spark really ignites, and uh, like all of her catches on fire. She is like fire incarnate and uh, destroys the manacles holding her down and possibly kills absolutely everyone in the arena watching this. Uh, maybe. We're not sure. And she planes walks away, and she ends up on Regatha, although she doesn't know it yet, uh, and tries to blow up the first thing she runs into, which just happens to be a monk uh, who's at this monastery who's actually going to end up training her, but that's that's a whole other story. Yeah, the, the monks realize. at the monastery are also very accomplished pyromancers, and they, yes. they, they follow the... They call them teachings, but they're really just um, well-remembered quips from Jaya Ballard, who visited the plane a long time ago. Now, what I found interesting, the most interesting about this story is if any of you have read The Purifying Fire, there are so many elements of the stuff going on in, on Kaladesh that completely mirror the kind of, uh, it's, it's the order of, uh, Heliod, not Heliod, but Heliod. Yeah. Uh, that's on, uh, on Regatha. Like so many elements of that are paralleled. And at first, at first glance, it seems like, well, that's just kind of lazy. All the stuff that was happening on her world is happening on the next world she planeswalks to. But there's some indications that there's actually uh, some kind of shadowy organization that's making this go on in multiple places. 
uh, and that it's 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 actually a thing. So this may be a plotline element that's just uh, put in there on purpose. It's not lazy writing. It's it's a, a greater story that we're going to find out about later. At least that's the that's the indication I've gotten. It's Nicobolas. It's possible that it's Nicobolas. I mean, what, what does he benefit from that? Uh, he shuts down mages who might be a threat to him. Uh, early detection of planeswalkers. Uh, but doesn't he want mages working for him? For him, yes, but that he's not controlling, no. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, like, but you know, why wouldn't you try to harvest all of them, but since children, and then brainwash them into your army? You know what you need for that? A telepath. So uh, I'm thinking that we just get Jace. Uh, here's the real thing. Jace is actually Nicobolas. He just illusions himself into a dragon huh. form and doesn't know it. <laughs> he, he wipes knowledge, his own, he wipes knowledge, his own memories of being Nicobolas. Yeah. Yep. Knowledge bomb dropped. All right. So, uh, what did you guys think of this story? I assume you all you all read it. It was fine. It was, was not my favorite one. I was really, maybe that I was hoping for better because she's not one of my favorite planeswalkers thematically. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't. I didn't get the. I didn't get the purpose of the steam vent at all. I get that's part of. They kind of incorporate something they've always done on her art, but it's like, well, oh. it melted off. Yeah, she did melt it off when her when she. She, she doesn't went, have it anymore. Yeah, it's that that one's gone. But. but I, I, don't, I just. Yeah, it, it didn't really have a point beyond like inhibiting her fire powers when the soldiers showed up and burned the village down. Yeah, it was that really was the only there. Served. Yeah, we'll call it plot device number two. Uh, I guess is what it is. But I mean, it's, it's stated intention is to help her control her abilities so that she doesn't just set everything on fire. And here's my thought. Another thing that bugged me a little bit is she witnessed, you know, the, all these people die around her, people blaming her, and she watches her father be stabbed to death. Yep, right in front of her eyes. Not enough for her, pl- pl- her spark, but her almost dying is. And I'm like, going, eh, maybe, <laughs> maybe you don't want to have the same, you know, oh, I, you know, my family died on planes walking, but I don't know. Well, it's pretty clear from her story that her power is really powered by anger. And at the moment that her father is killed, she's not feeling anger at that point so much as, uh, anguish and powerlessness. Yeah, she's, she's frightened. She's really, really scared more than anything else. Yeah. I suppose. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, I, I think they have succeeded. Yeah. By the time, by the time she got back to the, to the city, and had time to think about it, then she got time to get mad. Yeah. So she's the Hulk of the magic universe. Yeah. Kind of. mm-hmm. I kind of think she didn't um, have her spark ignite there because she had the steam thing on mm. at that point. That, that, that was kind of how I took it. Took the story at that point. Interesting. Interesting. It, it was fine. Not my favorite. Hmm. Now, I liked it. Uh, yeah, I, I found it interesting, but I, I really like Chandra. She's one of my favorite planeswalkers. Uh, an interesting point about this, uh, Captain Baral, uh, this, this guy who was gonna execute her. Uh, he, he's a mage, or was, I'm pretty sure he's dead now, having been probably blasted to death in the fire. Uh, but his, his whole shtick was taking away power. And I think we're going to find that this shadowy organization that's kind of creating this rule of law, this, uh, like, uh, you know, iron-fisted rule of law, I think we're going to see more of these guys. Mm. But that was just my impression. Well, if he could do that, why didn't he just take away Chandra's power? Uh, he kind of did until her power got a little too powerful for him to do that. Because then he wouldn't be a pile of ash right now. 
Yeah, because then he wouldn't, he and everything else wouldn't be a pile of ash. So again, we have, we have some more of these, uh, these themes. You know, she's lost her entire family. So all of her, her, everyone she's ever loved is dead. You know, and the more of these stories that we read, the more I feel like it was all scripted by Joss Whedon. Cause, uh, that's just the vibe that I get that, you know, everybody you've ever loved needs to die. And. But I mean, my thing is like, she, Murdered many, many people. Well, now, okay. I guess murder is not the correct term. Murder is not the correct term. But she killed, like, Gideon killed four other people by accident by trying to defend himself. Okay, in the... She killed probably hundreds. Well, not necessarily. Okay, the fire that happens in the village when she's captured, uh, they say when they've sentenced her to death that three people died in that fire. We can assume that two of them are her parents and one of them is just some other rando, but she didn't even set that fire. They did. I'm referring to the explosion she caused. Right. Well, it's unclear what the magnitude of that explosion is, whether it just killed yeah. the people around her. I think you just said killed everyone in the arena. Well, that was I, your description. I, like I said, it's unclear. Yeah, I, th- I'm I felt going like she, for just she killed, killed 10,000 people. I think she killed people. I don't think there were that many people watching the show. Yeah, I, I think it was mainly just the people right around her. That I think she can kill 10,000 people. Fit the bullet. Uh, Rich is going 10,000. Uh, send your vote to at the Manipool. Tell us how many people Chandra killed in that initial explosion. Don't explain why. Just send it to at the Manipool on Twitter. <laughs> okay, no great. Facts. So, uh, and, and once again, uh, you know, we've got this, uh, this theme running here that, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the amazing power that you have is also extremely dangerous, right? So, uh, you know, Liliana ends up maybe killing some people she loves. Jace maybe ends up wiping people's minds that maybe he shouldn't. Hey, he might have killed people he loved. He don't know. Yeah, he has no <laughs> idea. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, uh, Chandra may have lit a bunch of people on fire. Maybe. We don't, we don't 10, really know. Uh, 10, 10,000. That's official canon right there. 10,000. Uh, alright. So, uh, anything else we want to say about Chandra before moving on? Nope. Not really. Okay. She's boring. I disagree, sir. Oh, her character is extremely boring. I, I don't know about Even, it. As much as I liked her story, like she's oh, she's impetuous and she doesn't I, think okay. before making decisions. I she's will, the most boring part of Red. Well, okay, I'll freely admit that her character is a bit two dimensional. Yeah. Okay, maybe a lot two dimensional. Like one yeah, point two dimensions, maybe, impatient and fire. One point five dimensions, maybe. Yeah. But still, I I still like her. But there okay, you go. it feels like the other people have evolved a little bit beyond. Um, they are the planeswalker that represents this color, mm-hmm. and she hasn't at all. She feels like the exact same character she was when she was first introduced. Well, hey, at least they haven't messed too much with her, you know, characterization in the comics, right? Correct. That's why so- I like this story a lot. They didn't mess up anything because <laughs> there was nothing to mess up. We didn't know any of this. Uh, all right, so why don't we move to a planeswalker that I know absolutely everyone on the show loves with all their heart? Yes. Let's talk the about the only one that doesn't get flipped by moon mist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's talk about Nissa. Uh, you laugh now, but when I build my moon mist deck, and I'm, I'm just flipping your planeswalkers, I'm just gonna start right now. I how dare they call her? One of the five most iconic planeswalkers. How dare they? Well, she had a Funko figure made. She did. Therefore, it's strictly so because 
strictly because of that they used her in the M15. Yes. I mean, yeah. obviously, we all know what happened, right? They, they, they had, they got rid of Garrick, they made him a villain, and then they're like, well, we don't have anyone else. Like, we kinda need somebody green. Yeah. I mean, what were we gonna say? Sarkin's really getting back to his roots? Like, his tree roots? I don't know. There's, there's well, his, no I mean, one his, else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, his roots are Marty. Like, it doesn't, it wouldn't even make sense, but. So his, well, his roots are red. That's his well, roots. Well, I think the real issue is that we're going back to Zendikar. And that means we've got to deal with Nissa. Yeah. So let's deal with this. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, okay, Rich, Rich, you just, I know, I know, it's gonna be okay. I'm just putting it out there, Soren should cut her head off. Uh, there's, it's possible. Okay, I'll give you that. All right, so Nissa, we open on Nissa Ravine uh, again as a young child. Uh, she is possibly the last of the animists. Uh, so. They never really go too much into what that means, but she may be the last of them, and uh, she's apparently the last that's still having visions brought on by the land around her. Uh, so she has these terrible nightmares, uh, seeing some terrible impending doom that's coming. And uh, she and her mother, although her father's never really discussed in this story, she and her mother are staying with the Joraga on Zendikar. We are on Zendikar, obviously. Her father's Sorn. Her father's Sorn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he he would have he would have. I'm not oh, gonna say it. Never mind. I, got her, her I can't follow that up without anything that we can put on the show. That's right. Her father's Jace. He just doesn't remember it. <laughs> so uh, probably got a lot of kids. The Joraga want to throw them out because uh, Nissa's disturbing visions are totally weirding them out, and they know that she's going to bring doom to the village. They're really high, hard, She's really harshing their mellow. She is totally harshing their mellow, man. Like, seriously. So she decides to flee so that her mother doesn't get exiled, and so she runs off all alone in the middle of the night and heads off into the wilderness, uh, where she has yet another vision. But this time, it's actually driven by this glowing light that appears in the ground that surrounds her. And this is a light she had seen in her vision previously, and so she's panicky at first, but she comes to realize, no, 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 this light is actually the soul of Zendikar itself coming to communicate with her. And it needs her. It needs her to go somewhere. She has to go on an epic journey. Follow the light is what it comes down to. I've now, seen the soul Zendikar. It doesn't look very intelligent. Well, it doesn't talk much. It mostly shows pictures. <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, it sounds like green. So at this point, <laughs> she's uh, got a friend of hers. Uh, let's say his name is Mazik? Mazik? Let's say Mazik. Let's call him Bill. Bill. Bill has accompanied her. Bill watched her leave and told her mom, uh, it's cool. I saw her go. I'm going to follow her. And so she, she takes off. Uh, and, and Mazik comes and follows her along. Hey, that's really, man, that's how the story went. I know, but that's like, oh, that's reassuring. Some strange guy, I'll follow her. Don't you worry. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Leave it to me. And off they go. Uh, he sees the glowing light too, but only when he's near Nyssa. And so they now go on this epic journey and they cross the forest which is basically the only place they've ever been. Uh, and then they enter a desert and nearly die because the soul of Zendikar doesn't really, you know, think too much about, hey, you things need water, don't you? And so uh, they almost die crossing the desert. But then they found find a nice, wonderful marsh, because that'll be good. Uh, but what's interesting here, and I think this is kind of a nice, nice interesting little bit of uh, character development for Nyssa, as she crosses into the marsh, the longer she's in it, the more she sees the beauty of the land and the beauty of the marsh as contrasted to, say, the forest. Uh, 
So, uh, you know, unlike most elves that are just, you know, tree-hugging sorts of folks, she's, she's starting to see that the variety of land itself, there's beauty in it, too. But as they're in the marshlands, bam, vampires! Because, of course, I mean, this is Zendikar, we've got vampires. Uh, but at this point, Nissa does right. something... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. So, something interesting to me uh, was in the Nahiri storyline, uh-huh. when she wakes up after, you know, being asleep for a long time... She runs into some vampires and she says, there's no vampires on Zendikar. And that one got like, I was like, what? Like, I really wish they had expanded more on that. Like, where'd they come from? Who? Pretty sure, pretty sure Anawan has other things to say about that. Well, Anawan came way well after this point. Yeah, this, this was thousands of years ago. Yeah. Oh. Um, she was still pre-mending Planeswalker at that point. So I've, it's always been interesting to me. Like, well, if they weren't always there, where'd they come from? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still with Soren. That's a solid answer. Yeah, yeah, I'll say Soren. Yeah, all these questions and more will not be answered in Battle for Zendikar. That's what I'm gonna say. Prove me wrong, wizards. Prove me wrong. <laughs> all uh, right, carry on. So, at this point, Nissa does something she never has done before, and she summons an elemental. Basically, she summons the land itself. She animates the land, if you will, because she's oh, I get animated. It. Yes, there we go. We're just gonna pound that one right in so that you notice. Uh, so she, she animates the land and creates this, this beast that wipes out like ten vampires in like, uh, you know, a heartbeat. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, vampires, heartbeat. Uh, and so she saves her buddy, uh, Bill, we decided his name was. His name is Bill. She saved Bill. And, uh, they, they continue on their journey for a while and, uh, they end up in, uh, the mountains of Akum, let's say. Is it a, is it Akum? Yes. Yeah, name that that book that no one read because it was awful. It's that place. That's where they've gone because uh the the land is trying to get her to go there. And then they encounter the royal. And so the royal is this thing that happens on Zendikar where the land itself seems to turn against you and it uh, kind of rips itself apart and awful things happen. Uh, and, uh, Bill's all freaked out and he's like, Nissa, you control the land, fix this. And she's like, I don't know how. And then she starts to hum. And that fixes it, because uh, she soothes the land, she calms it. So apparently the royal is not Zendikar trying to kill you specifically, it's Zendikar reacting to something horrible that's going on. And so it's 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 can afraid. I, can I just point out that that's my, that was my least favorite part of that story? Yeah, mine too. No, no, I think actually the desert part might have been my least favorite part, but this is like my second least favorite. My least favorite part has yet to happen. Oh, okay. Actually, that's, that's my second lease here. The first part is when they started talking about her. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, Rich loves green. So, uh, Nissa. Hey, hey, they, they could have picked another green plant. If they would have took Fraser, I could, I could, that would have been fine. She's dead. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if they're talking about a dead person. She was alive <laughs> at once. They could talk about that. So Nissa finally starts to get close to where uh, Zendikar was trying to lead her to, and uh, at this point Zendikar's kind of freaking out about the whole thing because it's not happy at all about where where they are. Uh, and in her her original vision, there was this dark knot in the the flow of the land, and that dark knot was the problem. And we've come to the dark knot, and so uh, it's in the mountains with a bunch of hedrons around, and you probably know where I'm going, uh, particularly if you listen to episode 61 of Card Advantage, where we talked about Nyssa, Soren, and the Eldrazi. Uh, and it turns out that uh, Nyssa, as she's trying to fix this this terrible dark knot, she realizes, oh, God, there are horrible creatures inside there, and she glimpses the Eldrazi. 
Uh, and that traumatic moment that nearly kills her, because that's what happens when you look at Eldrazi. I'm looking at you, Cthulhu. Oh, no, wait, I'm not, because now I'm insane. Uh, that is what ignites her spark. And so she planes walks away to the wonderful, idyllic world of Lorwyn. And if, I, yeah, yeah, just, please. How amazing it is here that it wasn't her friend dying. Like her friend actually survives this whole thing. Well, we think he does because he's he's not in good health at this point. No, he, but he, he stays back. Too. Yeah, he I'm stays pretty back. sure he survives. Like I was I was amazed because the moment they introduced him, I was like, oh, there's the trigger. Like that's what's going to cause it. And nope, he actually was fine. I'm also not really sure what purpose he serves in this story. Correct, because uh, he actually doesn't do anything. Plot device to make yes. you—it's it's the red herring making you think he's going to die and he doesn't. Yeah, well, it got me then. Yeah, I I was thinking that he would have been there uh, to have another action figure if this was a toy line. But <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I don't I didn't care for his character. He was totally useless and dumb, and that's that's all I have to say about that. Nissa could have done all of this on her own. I I think her and her puppy pal, the soul of Zendikar, it would have been fine. Right. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> She planes walks away to the idyllic world of Lorwyn where she encounters elves. And if you listened to our recent episode where we talked about Lorwyn, you'll know that the elves of Lorwyn perfectly fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them except that they're all crazy bastards. Pretty sure they're big jerks. They're mostly jerks. And so they're like, hey, you're here and look. In all fairness, it all depends if it's morning or night because they are clearly not night people. Yeah, this, at, at this point it's daytime. It is Lorwyn, and they're they're the the elves are like, wow, you're you're really beautiful with no horrible horns and weird cloven feet and strange things that some of the ugly elves around here have. So hey, come join our hunt. It'll be wonderful and glorious. That By the way, sense. no, it doesn't. Like their standard of beauty would be things that look like them. Yeah, that's why it, they said they said Reese was ugly when he lost his horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it 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 doesn't make any sense at all. No. No. Yeah. This this is my least favorite part. Yeah, of I had a, I all had the time on Lorwyn. Either it's this, like, oh look, look, yeah. more elves, and like, hey, you want to go hunting? Yeah, sure. Oh my god, what are you doing to those goblins? You guys are dicks. And I'm like, oh no, it's the great Aurora. And Aurora's like, I'm gonna get you. And this is like, oh, <laughs> and that's that's it. Yeah, actually, Mike just summed up what I was going to say. Yeah, that's, I think that's the rest of that's it. That's it. She shows up on Lorwyn. They're like, we're killing goblins. And she's like, no, all creatures deserve to die or deserve to live. Don't kill them. <laughs> and then the Great Aurora happens. And uh, they're like, what did you do to the world? And she's like, I didn't do anything. Leave me alone. That's it. Peace out. I'm planeswalking back to Zendikar. And she doesn't leave. Like, she's the one who goes back and stays. Yep. So she just I took read- a... Brief detour to Lorwyn for absolutely no good reason. Here's the real least favorite part of this story. I read it because I was actually excited to read this story. And there's one reason I was excited to read this story. And that reason was not in that story. Was it you were hoping for Soren? Yes. A thousand times yes, and there was no Soren. It makes me sad. It's too early. All right, so themes in this it's one. It's never too early for Soren. Uh, themes in this one, uh, power at a young age. Uh, I would say loses everyone she ever loved, but she just had her mom, and her mom's fine. She's back with the Gerard. Yeah, she's actually kicked out. She's, like, right over there. Other themes annoying? She, she's afraid she's about to lose her entire home plane. Uh, she does have a fear of losing uh, all that she loved. And and she, of course, just got to know the soul of Zendikar. She finally got this bond with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then planes walks away. And how does she celebrate that bind? By releasing the spawn of evil. Right. So that's the deal right there. 
So she has these visions of impending doom. She has this touch with the land. And then shortly later, she forgets all that, I guess, because she had no knowledge of what she was doing when she released the Eldrazi. She so here's, no what I'm, here's, here's my going. She, Soul of Zendikar told her, we need to re- free them. They will leave and we'll be fine. And then we later learn Soul of Zendikar is her, her idiot self talking to her because she's a moron. Well, I, I think it may be kind of moron. Let's, let's be generous and say misguided. Okay. What she knows is that the, the dark evil that's locked up is causing pain to the world that she loves. So her theory is if I let it out, it'll go away. So we'll drop some medical knowledge on people. If you've got a chunk of glass in your arm, do you want to take it out? No. You leave it in, tape it up, and then you go to the doctor. Because you pull it out, worse things could happen. Yeah, this is this is actually relatively relatively sound medical advice from Rich. Rich is not a doctor. Do not take anything he says as actual medical advice. But you are a doctor, and you said what he said was good. Uh, I'm not that kind of doctor. Victory. You're a doctor, though. Victor Look. B. Look, yeah. I've learned as a doctor of some. I'm putting glass in my arm right now. Is that the number one way <laughs> to fix any problem, be it political, sociological, or health, is to heat whatever that is up to a several million Kelvin, and then everything is fine. Because everything's dead. Yeah, it's now a plasma, and we don't have any problems anymore because we can describe that fairly easily, and uh, the plasma does not care about your political problems. So, uh, yeah, that's the solution. Which I guess is why I like Chandra, uh, <laughs> but now that I think about it. Oh yeah, now it all makes sense. Yeah, it all comes together. Wow, that, that fit together really well. Okay, so. Puzzle is complete. But, yeah, right. obviously my issues with this story are the same as, kind of the same as, as Liliana, but as you were just touching on clues, you can explain it away a little bit better that maybe she thought releasing them would help heal the world. Um, my main concern is she didn't have any of these visions. Also, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be a racist. And it was going to Lorwyn where she was like, whoa, these guys are real racist. Am I like this? And then coming back, which kind of made her not be a racist. I thought that was the point. But now they're like, nah, she's not a racist. CJ, maybe what really changed was back when you, you know, the comic and all that stuff, she kept like a normal person who has visions. You keep them to yourself so people don't think you're crazy. Yeah. And she just now she just kind of lost that ambition. Um, because yeah, the Draga, they're racist. Like, uh, yeah, they are. I think, I think like in terms of racist elves, I think Lanawar is first, Lorwyn elves are second, and then third are Draga. If and, I had to rank them. Aren't they a little more speciesist? Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know what's Yeah, if, if you're not I mean, an elf, specifically yeah. a Draga, you suck. That's why I don't think she would actually have an issue with them killing a bunch of goblins or boggarts. Yeah. Well, first, who, who really minds that anyways? Oh, uh, I do. You got yes. more. Well, okay, we do have more. This is true. Do you, do you run any cards that say sacrifice a goblin or sacrifice a creature or sacrifice uh, this? No. Uh, I tried. Yeah, it's, it's a good try. Good try. Uh, oh, no, wait, I do. I'm sorry. You're right. Siege Gang Commander totally does. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. I well, I, I, I had taken out Siege Gang for a while, but I put him back in because, well, he's really good. So. That's a good reason. Yeah, well, I I originally took him out because he's five, and I wanted the top of the curve to just be four so I could get my ether vial there and just leave it, but... 
Anyway, so there you go. Uh, so are there any common themes that we see between these? Yeah, we've already talked about all those. Yeah. Hey, what do we, what do we think of the writing overall? Cause I think these were all written by different people, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're different. They're definitely different people. Um, but similar style. Uh, I thought the writing was fine. I mean, it's not yeah. the best, it's not, not like the best book I've written, but it's definitely not bad writing. Yeah, it's certainly no. not the worst magic writing I've seen. Right. I do think sometimes they went more detail than they needed, and sometimes they didn't give enough. And not like you said, sometimes you know you want all or one, but like I think so, even in the same story, they kind of flittered back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gideon's was the most well written, in my opinion, because I didn't notice a lot of like the, the like super detailed versus not enough. Yeah, you know, I now that you mention it, I did not notice any of that either. So you may be onto something here. Yeah. I'm thinking mm-hmm. Gideon's might have been my favorite. Yeah, in in terms of the quality of writing, yeah, I agree on that. So, I mean, obviously, I'm comparing Nisa's to In the Teeth of a Coom, and well, that's not much. It's better. so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But of the well, five stories, I know you guys love to rank things. I would say Nisa's might be the worst. Well, Liliana's is the worst because it hurts me to read it. <laughs> but um, this, this is, is the worst because the there's a clear lack of Soren. <laughs> and he is the only thing that makes her interesting. Yeah, t- to me, Nessus is the weakest story because it has that really one dumb section in it. Yeah, I, it, if it would have just ended when she walked away, when she first planes walked away, I think we would have been fine. I honestly think, for me, story order goes in Wooberg order. Hmm. Now we're, we're all running through it in our heads. Yeah, no, I... Uh, hmm. I think I liked Chandra's story better than Liliana's and better than Nissa's. I was about to say the same thing. Um, I might say that Jace's story was a little more interesting than, than Chandra's. I, I would probably just, just bump Red up by one and then I would agree. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't care for Chandra's story much at all, but I think I'm also biased against the character itself. So that's pro- that's my reasoning behind it, I guess. But and no, I, think that's, Nis- I think that's Nissa's, fine as long as we recognize that. Nissa's was not my bias, by the way. Not that Nissa's was not well done, and my bias. I don't have a bias against Nissa, and I didn't think it was well done. I I had a bias against Nissa to such an extent that I forgot about, about her M15 card, um, <laughs> and could only remember the bad original one. But in in recent uh, in recent weeks, I've relearned that she's not all bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. And I've been on the receiving end of some really vicious beatings from her in Reddit lately. It's crazy. I, I guess for me, uh, Nissa's was probably the one that developed the character the most. Uh, no, maybe, maybe Gideon's did, because I mean, I already had a, a pretty good understanding of Jace having the shadowy past and, uh, mm-hmm. Liliana having this tragic death of her brother and dabbling in necromancy and whether you go with the old story, or the new story, it's still very similar. And I'd already read, uh, Purifying Fire with Chandra, so I already had a good grasp of her background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only two that I really had any, you know, I really don't know much about their backgrounds were Gideon and Nyssa, and Gideon's was definitely the better of the two there. Yeah, for me, Gideon, before reading these stories, Gideon is the only one of the five that, if I would ask myself the question, hey, what's this guy's deal, I would be at a loss for what to say. And I learned the most from Gideon's story. We didn't know where he was from. We didn't know how he got his spark. We just knew he shows up on Zendikar fighting for people. Uh, well, no, he yeah. actually first or, appeared in, in Purifying Fire. Oh, yeah, that's right. 
That's he was invented in that novel. I gotta read that book again. So I I did have a little bit of his I knew a little bit of his deal, but even there his past is pretty shadowy and you're not really sure what he's doing except that he is trying to bring order and peace. See? Nice guy. Yeah, mostly nice. Sometimes people die. Not him though. Uh no, not him. <laughs> Although with the way he's going, I don't know if you've been reading the recent stories, but Oh man, that guy is just driving himself into the ground. Thank goodness he finally went looking for help. Too bad he had to get it from the Living Guild Pact. Hey, they could be homies. And and he had to do it by ruining the Living Guild Pact's date with Liliana. What a jerk. I'll take that. That makes sense. Like, if you need a planeswalker's help, why don't you go with the centuries-old one instead of the 30-year-old one? Like, Liliana is the obvious choice. Well, Liliana is What is she going to do? Make the Eldrazi forget they're there? Right. I don't think they've, I don't think their minds function in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think his, I don't think his illusions are going to do much for them. Like, oh, there's a lot of them. Let's kill all of them. Although I do look forward to the story where he attempts to read the mind of right. Rog and, and discovers that it's not really a mind. Like Kiora's done far more to, to build a, a legitimate army to fight the Eldrazi than I think even Gideon's done. Uh, yes. Although her way of going about it is a little weird, but yes. But she's done it. Gideon's like, I'm going to team up with the Boros, even though I cannot take them to Zendikar with me. But somehow that helps. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think he just needs to find Iona and teach her how to name Colorless, and everything's fine. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's already there. They've already been cast. Iona's not doing much at that point. All right. Well, so there are the five stories. What he needs to do, he needs to find Sarkin, do a little bit of time travel, find Tasa before she got all old with a cane, and have him just exile Ulamog. Uh, or, or find Karn and just get him to exile them, or to yeah. start the war. Because he did so much good on New Phyrexia. Oh, yeah, he really did. Yeah. Getting Venser killed. <laughs> Venzer chose that. Sacrifice. Yeah, that was Venzer's choice. Yeah, but he wouldn't have had to, right, if Karn weren't, well, captured. Karn was perfectly oh. happy where he was. Eh, I don't know. Has Karn <laughs> ever really been perfectly happy? <laughs> no. Uh, I want to see. I want to see more stories like this. But I'm like, I want to like kind of find out what's going on with Koth, what's going on with Tezzeret. Kind of find some like, or like even Tamio, find some of their stories. Now, I do like that they've been kind of stringing stories together the past yeah. weeks, so it's it's making a a contiguous storyline, which is kind of cool. It's not just, uh, here's like two weeks of this guy, and now you won't hear about him again for 12 months. Right. I like that, too. Yeah, 12 months if you're lucky. Yeah. Oh. I'm still thinking Gideon needs to be finding people like Soren and Tamio and outside of looking for Jace. Jace is not going to do anything. Well, no, Jace is a sucker, and he will try to do something. I mean, that's yeah. really what happens. Gideon shows up. Uh, so, spoiler, the story that happened... Uh, hey, if we didn't Ash- say spoiler before anything else, we said, why start now? Uh, Liliana and Jace are kind of out on a date, because Liliana showed up. She's looking for Jace's help to... Uh, well, she's got the whole chain veil problem. And uh, Gideon shows up. Uh, now, Liliana's totally not asking for help, because that's not how she rolls. And Gideon just shows up and goes, uh, Jace, I totally need your help. Can you come help me? It's the Eldrazi... Zendikar's gonna die. And Jace is like, oh crap, I gotta go do this. Liliana, come help. And she's like, what? You're kidding, right? 
no, I'm not going to help you. And she storms off. Good. So yeah, I, I don't think, spoilers. I don't think that Gideon going to ask Liliana for help. I don't think that would help at all. But Jace, Jace is a sucker. And if you just go to Jace and go, Jace, everything's bad. We need your help. He'll go. Sure. I mean, Jace is a good telepath. He would have, he would have took, if Jace is a good telepath, he would have brainwashed her mind to make her help. I don't know that your meaning of good, that's. She has some sort of, uh, defenses set up. Like Magneto? Yeah. Well, she did totally play Jace like a fiddle. In, uh, in I mean, black mages, black mages can use mind magic too. It's a different kind, True. but they can use it. There's just more possession than mind control, isn't it? Thoughtseize. Yeah, thoughtseize. Well, I guess you gotta look at it that way because blue attacks the deck, which is technically kind of your mind, and black affects the hand. What would the hand be? Your more different mind? Yeah, the, the hand is what you're thinking about right now. The so, deck is other stuff. So the, fair enough. All right. So those were your five planeswalkers of MTG Origins, and uh, we'll be seeing more of them. I think several of them will be making appearances this fall in the battle for Zendikar, where a fight's going to happen. This is the problem I have. Like they're doing all this stuff, and they're all like kind of leading towards going to Zendikar. We just saw these planeswalkers. Do we really need to see more iterations of the planeswalkers? Yes. Yes. As long as they, if they just reprinted Gideon Jura, I'd be happy. I kind of feel like if you're going to do oh, this man. right, if you really, really want to take out the Eldrazi, you need to get all of the Planeswalkers. So how about this second set of Battle for Zendikar, which I think we came up with a name for that once. I don't remember what it was, though. Uh, all of the Planeswalkers get reprinted. Every last one of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even the ones who are dead get new cards. Because Liliana raises planeswalkers from the dead, and they still have their spark. How about that? Well, she couldn't raise back <laughs> Xenagos. She couldn't raise Xenagos, and she couldn't raise Elspeth, because they're in the underworld. And wouldn't she need their bodies? I don't know. Necromancy generally needs bodies. Yeah. Oh, what about ghosts? They're, they're ghost planeswalkers. But that's not how she, her magic works, Clues. Come on, now you're being ridiculous. Oh, Sorry. now now I'm being ridiculous. In this world of magic, you are now being ridiculous. Can I point out awesome. a card called Liliana's Spectre real quick? But Spectres aren't... They were, they're not well, like that's a ghost. That's she a created, summon spirit. She created that soul, though. It's not the soul of someone wait, else. Wait, you're telling me she creates souls? That's powerful. So she's a god now? Yes. <laughs> well, then why isn't she on Theros? Because they're, they're they're below her. Those gods are weak sauce. Like <laughs> I have feeling Gaia from Dominaria is more. And powerful. let's be honest, she is a goddess, queen of the goddesses, and then the king is clearly Soren. I am a little worried that Rich is writing fan fiction in his spare time. It all makes sense now. It, it really does. Okay, why don't we put this one to bed? Let's why let's, don't we? let's wrap this up here. Uh, okay, so we watched that ten minutes for a planeswalker, by the way. Uh, I know it didn't. Uh, I knew what we were shooting for, and I knew that we were going to fail. Not my fault. But it's prob it's partially my fault. I'll t- I'll take the bullet on this one. Send Good. any complaints to at the mana pool on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so, speaking of contact information, hey, our esteemed guests, if folks want to uh, get in touch with you or hear more from you or about you, where might they do that? Mike. Well, I'm involved with uh, the Manipool podcast. You can check out our website, themanipool.com. You can send us an email at 
dorks at themanapool.com, and one of us will answer. Um, Chewy is the only one who pays attention to the Twitter feed. That is at themanapool. We have a Facebook page that uh, most of us can see. Some of us only have to work, but uh, we're there. This It's all kinds of different variations on the Manipool. Just Google the Manipool, and you'll yeah. probably find something related to them. There you go. All right, great. And CJ, how about you? Hey, you can find me on JudgeCast at JudgeCast.com or email us at JudgeCast.com or Twitter or Facebook. I don't get to complain on JudgeCast, so that's why I got to come here and get it all out. <laughs> These rules suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I hate these new rules. Uh, legitimately, I, you know, I can't always talk about that. <laughs> I, even if I may not love a new rule or not, I keep it to myself. <laughs> all right. It is a good it is a good podcast. I think that folks can, uh, even if you're not a judge, there's lots of great discussion on JudgeCast that uh, people should be aware of. It's a great podcast. You should check it out. I was saving that line for just a minute from now, but that's fine. We can, we can reuse <laughs> I know. That's, so I took it. That is A-OK. Uh, besides, uh, I can edit the show, so maybe I'll take it out. And I'm CJ Schrader, and I keep it fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if you want to hear more from us here at Card Advantage, we are not always flavor, but we try and get a flavor episode, oh, about once a month or so on average-ish. So at the rate we've been recording lately, it's like every other episode. Uh, that's more a commentary on our current schedule, which will get better soon, I swear. Otherwise, well, I can't sleep nights, so I, I pretend that everything's going to be better. But you can find us on our website. It is cardadvantagecast.com. There you can find uh, all of our episodes and RSS feed, those sorts of things. You can also get a hold of us via email. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. So if we screwed something up, Maybe I should take out the if, uh, and you want to let us know, please let us know. If you'd like to hear something else, if there's some piece of flavor, some piece of magic history you want to know about, please email us. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at card advantage, not to be confused with at card underscore advantage. Those are other guys. They have a card shop. That's not us. We're not affiliated with them. Please stop sending me complaints. Uh, and if you want to find me, the easiest way is on Twitter. I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. I am at Nissa Ruins Zendikar, spelled like in the show notes. It's spelled kind of like Mind Mage. Yeah, it is. But there's a four in there, as I recall. Uh, and as always, we want to encourage you to support your local card shop, whatever it may be. That is how this game uh, thrives and survives. If you're in... The Durham area of North Carolina, I suggest Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina, because it's a great shop and you should check it out. And even if you can't make it out there, they do have an online store where they sell all kinds of stuff. They don't sell singles online, so you can't do that. But if you're in the, in the market for board games or comics or any of that kind of stuff, uh, they're fantastic. You should check them out. So there you go. That is it for us. This is episode, let's say, 94. Five, I want to say. Yes. I think it's episode 95 of Card Advantage. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you all next time.
stupid Nyssa. Yeah, she made some poor choices. <laughs>